Hey, Chris, I have some super good news for you. What's up? This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast <laughs> and easy to make your own professional website, online store, or portfolio. You can go to squarespace.com and use the offer code THUMBS for 10% off your first purchase. Sounds great. Thanks, Squarespace. Whoa. Nick, right. go oh, first. Oh, we're blasting. Blast, blast cast. Blasting in the blast. Coming out of the headphones, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Am I okay? Yeah. Danielle, what do you think about life? I think that life is uh, an interesting series of challenges. Good advice can be had by Mr. Beldong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that. I think you fucked that up. Beldong. You're, you're right all along. Mr. Beldong. <laughs> Steve Gaynor. Hi. Uh, I'm Steve. I was going to talk about games. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, here's what I'm trying to say. Sean, games. Hot dogs. Cool uncle. Is that enough? <laughs> I'm just saying the things I say. Yeah, no, okay. So what you're, saying, what you're saying is StarCraft, Grim Fandango, GOG.com. Uh, GOG.com. PCDL PCDL Wink, indeed. <laughs> Classic. It's fucking 200. It's time. Sean Vanneman. No, it's March 4th, 2015. This is Idle Thumbs 200. I'm Chris Ringo. I'm Sean Vanneman. <laughs> I'm, I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Danielle Riendo. I'm Steve Gaynor. And I'm Jake Rodkin. And we're joined by the robotic ghost of Chris Ramo. <laughs> <laughs> so, Idle Thumbs, new Skype format. Yeah. Just yeah. like we always promised. You may have heard that Idle Thumbs brought you off-the-cuff impressions, no Skype, throw away your reading glasses or whatever, but, uh, burn those bifocals or whatever it is. But uh, Chris um, Chris is trapped in Seattle due to his ear. So um, Yes, yeah. in idle ear. I couldn't, I couldn't fly back on my scheduled flight, so now I am Skyping in for, I guess, the first time in Idle Thumbs history. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We you thought, waited 200 yeah. episodes and you just broke your. We made 199 <laughs> your prime episodes. directive. <laughs> we died. We died one short. It didn't, <laughs> didn't start with episode zero, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. The other thing that prevented me from doing was recording the vocals to the new theme song, which I guess you probably just heard in instrumental only form. I guarantee that's so what you I just heard. <laughs> in the future. Yeah. No, we're just sort of you know we're just taking it or one sang step by time. Danielle in her toad voice. That's probably not what you heard. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Happy GDC, guys. Happy GDC! Happy yeah, GDC, GDC, Chris. Welcome. We should get a cake. I assume GDC is cool. And of course, there have been press appointments the whole time, so... Yeah. I'm already exhausted. <laughs> also, two of, two of us spoke today. Nick Brecken was on a panel. Famous Brecken. It's true. <laughs> yep. I, I witnessed this panel... <gasps> 
The Rise of Famous Brecken. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is quite Episode exciting. 200. What did you guys talk about on the Telltale panel? Um, I, I, I don't know. I didn't really pick did you, were, were you in a fugue state? <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a great talk. <laughs> were you in a fugue state? Yeah. Let's, let's, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, think of, you must have been so, talking about your upcoming properties. Uh, of course. We just made all kinds of announcements. Uh, Crafting minds? Sure. No, we didn't say anything about any of that. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, you actually want me to talk about this? Why not? It's what a GDC is well, Chris isn't here. <laughs> okay. I believe in you, Nick. Tell us all about it. This is prime GDC content. It was a content. panel. I, I don't know. <laughs> God, I feel like old Brecken. <laughs> this is fine, right I guess. I don't know. Uh, we talked about just narrative stuff and like Telltale games. It's fucking... <laughs> It was fine. I don't know. Man, what we, have, we have regressed like a hundred and ninety-five. I don't know what Nick to Brecken. say about this panel. No, it's fine. It was just general questions. I mean, you know what? Honestly, it was a it was a, it was a narrative summit, and it was just a lot of people who didn't understand anything about how we make games or like how to get into writing for games or anything along those lines. So I, it was actually kind of cool. Like the back half was just a lot of questions, which. I don't know. I don't really talk to people about writing games very often, so it was nice you to talk to just... I don't really talk to people. I don't talk to... <laughs> I don't leave my house very often, <laughs> so it was fine. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. Just, I, I sympathize with people trying to break into anything ever, so it was nice to talk to people and give them Houses. what I think is decent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you suggest that they take your path, which was write for Shack News, then become community manager of Bethesda, then start writing It's the Kelltale one true path. Somehow? It's the one true path, <laughs> Steve. It's the only way. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, just defer all applications to Shack News. Yeah. <laughs> so, basically, that door to the industry is closing at a, at a slow but very perceptible yeah. rate, probably. Uh -huh. I kind of want to talk about oh. news. That yeah. is like news news. Deliver us the It's news. happening now. You mean Source like... Two. I mean news that is not the talks that like Steve oh, I thought, and I yeah. Like the today. Supreme Court is hearing the, the healthcare yes, law this week. That is in real life news <laughs> <laughs> and in video you mean, game news. I mean, I mean, we should talk about Shaq news. I mean, we should talk about Shaq news. Talk about... Blues news. Blues news. experience for me. Because now I finally know what all the people who complain about Idle Thumbs... I feel like I'm sitting on the outside of a room like... You kind are of hearing you guys talk. You and are in and want to be inside, but I can't be inside. So I'm just hearing you interrupt each other as you attempt to talk about literally anything. <laughs> you know, really I had weird. a weird, weird, similar experience, not to that exactly, but I can't listen anymore. And this used to be my actual favorite podcast that I would listen to <laughs> as a listener. And I can't anymore because now I think of what I would be saying or trying to say or thinking about saying, and it's too weird. That, so that is it just to is me it... still, even though it's been years. Oh, really? I listen to the podcast and I'm like, I would away. be responding with okay, this Okay, so Steve, right I yeah. assume no, when, you're when you're listening to thumbs, you just sort of lean back and deliberately don't say anything, but think about things. And Danielle, I imagine you sitting alone in your house is going, okay, like really That's quietly. What <laughs> that is what I do. You can ask Patricia. That is what I do in life. Good. What's yep. your news? I want to hear it. It's probably Valve. You said yeah. Valve, Valve stuff. Valve had a bunch of things. I will always talk about Valve. Valve has this many things, three things that they've announced. Is that Vive? The yes. Vive? Vive. Yes. The Vive? Source 2. Source 2. And Lighthouse. Oh, Source 2, right. Wait, whoa. Also, what, that, what the fuck is that? Lighthouse, know, Lighthouse is their tracking technology. Their room scale Four tracking things. technology. Four things. And the streaming box. Yes, and the streaming box. Four oh. things. Which is basically like... Like, whatever. It looks like a Roku so or like a PS TV, TV or whatever. Yeah. That's a lot of Valve news. Yeah. yeah. 
That when Valve, they finally announced a streaming box, we've been talking about that for Yeah, the Valve streaming box is like my dream realized, which is you already have a computer that runs Steam somewhere else in your house. You don't want to pay for a Steam machine, which they've now started talking about again. Yeah. Um, I guess. Whatever. Um, but what? You, so what you really want is a thing that they've priced at 50 bucks, which is just like, yeah, it's a little slim thing. It looks like a Roku or an Apple TV or something. And all that it does is you plug it into the internet, you plug it into the Wi-Fi, and then you can plug a USB controller into it, and it just streams Steam to your TV. That that pretty cool. I don't know. It has some other name that's not oh. that. Well, then they have failed because Chris is correct. <laughs> it should be called the Stream Box. Why not call it the Steam Stream? The Steam Streamer. The Steaming Stream? I was wrong about the Stream Box. The Stanley Streamer. The Cleveland Streamer because Chet is from Cleveland. Valve announces new VR initiatives, comma, the Cleveland Streamer, (laughs) Source 2, at GDC 2015. (laughs) Jet's just, like, got his fingers tucked into his, like, his loops on his belt, like, ta-da! It should be Source number 2, in that case. (laughs) Don't you think? Source number 2? Fuck off, Danielle! (laughs) This is why it's not your favorite podcast anymore, because you ruined it. (laughs) It's all because of me. So... Whenever I start talking, uh, Skype like mutes all of you guys for the duration of me talking, so I can only hear myself. So, Chris, you're now getting so our experience. Time I'm talking, of, I never know oh, you can't if hear me. I'm yeah, actually talking it. by myself or if I'm just shouting into the void and you guys are all talking over me and I just have no idea. See, this is why there was that thing that was like, no Skype, throw out your reading glasses. <laughs> no. <laughs> this ain't your mama's I podcast. Is, I think this is actually just like, finally you have an mm. externalization of the experience that you have when on the podcast. Right. Uh and it's just hard for you to know. Chris could just filibuster the whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just put Chris in the right channel for everyone who likes Idle Thumbs to be in stereo. It's just a voice. The void. What's that voice sound Not, like? Okay. Okay! <laughs> Good. Toad is so agreeable. Yeah. Toad never yeah, is like, I don't think so. Himself. Fuck it! Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it under consideration. Well, if Toad, if Toad gets disagreeable... It'll just sound like Marge Simpson. It'll just be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> homie, homie, homie. Um, let's all say homie. Um, Danielle, have you had a chance to actually look at any of this Steam stuff? I applied through the website oh. to try and like see it, and they were like, unfortunately, you will not. So <laughs> that's that is unfortunate. Are you serious? It didn't literally say that, but it was like there are a lot of people who want to see this, and you're not going to be one of the people. So <laughs> was, that, was that trying to get an appointment while you're at GDC? Yeah, because okay. they had a site that was like, if you're going to GDC, put your name on the thing. I, I don't I don't rate. We um, had somebody there, but it was not me. So I just saw press release stuff and you know details. Okay. I tried to dig into what this lighthouse stuff actually does. Room tracking. Well, so put on the when, thing and it knows where you are within a 15 by 15 foot. Right, but it talks to other devices, too, apparently. Like, which devices? Like a TV or another device with your microwave? embedded things. <laughs> yes, your microwave and also the UFO on top of your house and all of these other <laughs> so things. So it uses other things to try and triangulate you as part of it? Is I that believe so. Okay. I could be wrong. I was trying to sort well, of dig into this and then I ran saying, to Nick's talk, actually. Somebody was saying that it's, uh, like, driven by magnets. Oh, so if so you other, need tinfoil. No, no, like seriously, this <laughs> no. is what somebody was saying. <laughs> okay. And so if there were other devices that were giving off an electromagnetic field, I guess it could use those for triangulation. Maybe That kind of mm. makes sense. Weird. So, so you can just say like, go open this box and you'll find a treasure in like whatever adventure game that you're playing. And it is just like, 
opening your fridge and you're like, oh, it's cold in there. What's telling you these certain things? <laughs> yeah. Kind of Pull out cool. this bowl of grapes. It turns out that <laughs> shitty stereo system. No, those are eyeballs. Those are eyeballs. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> The speaker in the, in the ear of your whatever. What is that stupid headset called? They're eyeballs. It tells you. Yeah. It's like the worst you. fucking VR ever. What's, yeah, oh, what? Hopefully the weird like electromagnetic whatever stuff it uses is close enough to like cell phone technology that when someone inevitably starts to hack the like VR landscape that is your home, you still get the little like. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going a completely different way. That they were just going to make the like Dark Knight Batman world oh, yeah. fucking mapping oh, bullshit. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the electromagnetic radiation inside of your house for everyone who has VR, it's now also just casting like that weird sonar Batman spy view back to Gabe Newell's desk, which looks like the administrator's desk from Team Fortress 2 now. <sighs> It does. I think, it's just, I think it just has wheels and it just goes from room to room like everybody it's else. A, it's, 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 it adjusts. Yeah. 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 It's crazy that there are now just three and a half, if you, can, if you consider that cell phone that goes in front of your eyes, VR thing, <laughs> that are just going to be on the market by the end of next year. You mean Google Cardboard? No, no, no. no. You, mean the, the, you mean the standalone Oculus Samsung thing? Yeah, yeah. Mm. But the Oculus Rift, whatever it's end up named, the Morpheus and then the Vive. Oh, is that no. really the name? Yeah. Is yeah. the Valve Vive? Yeah. <laughs> I'm done with this. Valve Vive no. by HTC. I'm Valve Vive with watch the ad for Five Alive to to uh, <laughs> or or watch three smaller ads. <laughs> <laughs> Say it's Five Alive into your these are all going to, to fast forward commercial. Yep. <laughs> Hamburger. Hmm? I can't think of another piece of technology like that. Where the there's hype, a, there's a somebody, huge race, but the hype is all built outside of like you know capitalism, right? Where none like, of these have been sold. We are sure that customers might find something interesting about this technology someday. So our install base of zero will be multiplied exponentially. So three billion dollar companies are going to war right now. <laughs> like yeah. it's insane. I can't think of anything quite like it. I, are they all sitting on killer apps for this? Like I feel like. Because Zuckerberg bought Oculus, is like I can see this is going to be the future of social interaction, and Sony's like this is the future of the PlayStation, and Valve is this is the future of of uh, but like <laughs> rooms, <laughs> <laughs> but like nice. it is no, really no one cool. is also selling the fan that you can strap yourself to the skydiving tech demo, like which yeah. is like do you yeah do you no, I totally I totally agree. It's really fucking weird. You you have no audience if you make a VR game except for other people who have bought dev hardware. Right, that's like, people keep saying like, "Oh, are you guys going to do something in VR?" And it's like, yeah, "Yes, I mean, cool, it's cool, it's interesting, but like you are literally building technology for an install base of zero. Okay, yeah. this is actually a thing that is like increasingly common now, especially if you're working at a small to mid-sized developer where it is possible to basically make game after game after game where your entire audience is essentially the acquisitions people for companies making proprietary hardware. So right. like people making weird controllers, people, people making weird 3D things, people making weird VR stuff, like crazy input devices. Those companies will just pay you to make games for their things. I don't know if these companies are doing that too, but like there's enough companies just all making weird hardware shit that that's an entire like cottage industry now for game developers. Yeah, it's so strange because it feels like they're, they must all be doing that hoping that someone will prove that there's a point to all of the like crazy costs they've already sunk into this hardware, but it's weird when it's now all companies competing for the same non-existent space. 
it's like if the Wii hadn't taken off. Exactly. But then That's everyone the, oh, still yeah. was like motion controllers. We got to. It's like, but like no one, like Nintendo had not even sold. They never the launched Wii. the Wii. There I mean, was in still in development. So, yeah. The other analogy I was gonna make is when Mario sixty four was first demoed. When the N sixty four was demoed, everyone was like, "Fuck, we need analog sticks everywhere. We need three D cameras that work like this everywhere." But that was because Nintendo showed their killer app before they gave it anyone the hardware. Like people cloned Mario sixty four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's because Mario 64 existed. It wasn't like they were just like, look at this Nintendo 64 controller. Yeah. Because yeah. people would have just been like, what the fuck is I that? remember, <laughs> even in that shitty VHS tape that went out to Nintendo Power customers yes. that we have talked about many times, it was always, here's Mario 64, blow your minds, but how do you play a game like this? Check out this controller. Oh, I remember yeah. it perfectly right. as if it were yesterday. Yeah. It's killer app first, then... The, the object, instead of, like, you can strap a thing on your face. So they're totally going to make the yeah. Tron 2.0 video game killer app, which is what that game was <laughs> called, <laughs> in, for yes. Morpheus, and re-release it, Tron 2.0 killer app, oh. this, from this Bethesda is just, video games. What this is making me want to do is go on eBay and buy a Philips Ambi-X and hook it up to my copy of Far Cry 2, <laughs> because they did that. <laughs> oh, man. Excellent. Awesome. So... When Val, when- I got a demo of that one time, like years and years. Oh no, shit! What? At uh, E3 or GDC or something. Yeah, it was this crazy thing for those who don't know, where it like bathes your room in light that like continually updates based on the dominant color on the screen at any given time, and it like blows wind at you. Yes. If the developers <laughs> like hooked into the APIs. I love thing. it so much. It's so hilarious. For Far Cry 2, that actually seems like that would be a really would bad work. demo because as nice no, as Far Cry looks... it's super good. You're getting into the sunset and it gets all orange and then you start driving a Jeep and a fan's blowing in your face. <laughs> <laughs> actually true. God, okay, and so, then you get malaria. So here's the here's question. <laughs> <laughs> it just coughs on you. Yeah, it just... You know how like... There there are films that were shot and the director intended it to be seen truly in like a Cinerama screen, like right. a curved screen. And now you'll watch it. It's like, okay, we've got we can watch show you on a wide screen. So was Clint Hawking's original vision for Far Cry Two actually <laughs> the game that blows wind on you and sneezes and the light on your wall chain? <laughs> like does he consider every other release of it a compromised version of his artistic intent, do you think? I really hope he does. I <laughs> assume so. I, we can only assume. <laughs> you can only say yes. <laughs> Man, Jake, there is a, a legit Cinerama theater here in Seattle with the like crazy curved screen. I went and saw a movie there a few weeks ago. Most Cinerama most Cinerama theaters that exist now, they cut them in half and just show yeah. and, like split the theater into two small theaters that just are kind of curved. And it's always sad to go to a movie in one of those oh, and that, be like, "Oh man, I know." Have you ever been to the Cinerama Dome in Los Angeles? No, yeah. it's fucking awesome. That's really good. Yeah, it's really cool. We'll play Far yeah. Cry Two in there. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. It's a delightful those idea. Those would be some big fans. <laughs> <laughs> the air conditioning just turns on occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no, we're cold now. Yeah. <laughs> and then Clint Hawking says, as I intended. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you get malaria, the AC turns on. Oh, so cold. that's perfect. <laughs> so you start shivering. I was, yeah. okay, and so, the heat comes on really hard. I know, I know when they when Valve talked about the... the the Steam boxes. That was like last year's CES, two years ago? It's like two, at least two years ago. Yeah, and everyone was saying like, oh, Half-Life 3 is going to be the killer app for a Steam box, blah, 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 blah. People Here's saying that thing. this week. Well, okay, it makes sense now because it doesn't It doesn't make sense. Does it make Half- sense? Okay, it does not make sense because Half-Life does not have the pull that it used to have, I don't think. Like, Half-Life 2 was the killer app for Steam. Yeah. Like, you buy... Counter- Counter-Strike kind of was. Counter- well, Counter-Strike... That's actually true, yeah. Counter-Strike was the yeah. thing mm-hmm. that Steam was built for, which is true... 
but Steam as a marketplace, Half-Life 2 was totally the killer app for, for what yeah, Steam became. Because it was like, you want to buy Half-Life 2? You'll buy it on Steam. You want to buy yeah. it in the store? Odds are it's just a Steam code in there. Well, like, but, but additionally, as I remember it, when you bought Half-Life, when you pre-ordered Half-Life 2 on Steam... If you got Steam, the box, it was just an empty box. Well, no, but when you when you... An incentive to actually buy it on Steam instead of just at retail was yeah. if you buy Half-Life 2, you get a free copy of CS Source now, and you can be playing it on Steam yeah. until Half-Life 2 and comes then, out. So you're like, come, why would I buy it in a store? It would I'll come buy it with a Half-Life 1 Source as well. Right, yeah. But so Is Half-Life 3 going to be the killer app for the Vive? I don't think that it is, but here's the thing about that. The, the thing Viva. that I was thinking about is I, I, was, I, was talking to, I was talking to Ollie about this this morning, because we ta- yesterday we were talking about the VR Vida stuff, Half-Life. and what Ollie said was, we were, just, we were just talking about Half-Life, yeah. and Ollie said, man. And, you know, I would actually kill for, like, a Star Tours ride of the Black Mesa Tram route. Holy yes! shit! The opening to Half-Life games are just actually a showcase for VR. They're a showcase yeah. for a game where you only have 15 square feet of space to move around. If they did a Source 2 version of the Black Mesa Tram ride, but you were Gordon Freeman and you could only walk around inside of that tram, and then it parked, and you got out, and they had some fucking solution for how that was fun. <laughs> like, the part before that, though, is immediately, right. like... I don't think I don't think I don't think controller. I mean, the problem is is the walking. I don't think that's I don't know what that is like. They're apparently into that, right? Yeah, but like the the controller plus VR headset. I don't think I don't think it's an unsolved problem. I think what if the what if the demo for the for the Vive was Half Life One Source Two, and it was still. Like Half Life One Source was just the 1998 assets, but with like slightly better water again. They wouldn't, even you were get, a like, they wouldn't even get the fan updated. No, no, no. Oh, oh God. Just, like, <laughs> what is it called? The just garden? Black Mesa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no. This is still just like, mm-hmm. yeah. Just like, the just mitt the audio, hands. Yeah. 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 All that shit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that, I'm 100 polys. Speaking of Half Life as killer app for the Vive, did you guys see the thing where it's like an HTC marketing lady, like, uh, misspoke or something. I I think she intended to say, like, oh, we're working with Valve on this thing, but she said we're working with Half Life on oh, like we're no. collaborating. Oh, with no. oh my god! Oh my god! Then, and then Valve like had a practice. thing where they were like, people, <laughs> we were like, oh my god, Valve's doing a presentation on three three at three at p.m. 3 p.m. But it was just like a GDC talk, and yeah. it was totally unrelated. And that they had to come out and be like, oh, we're not. Making any Half Life games for this thing? Uh, well, this is just a, the talk. Man, it's, we're it's excited nothing. to be working with Half Life. Is so good. That's very like I was talking to Mac the other day about my computer. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, I think the audience doesn't hear. Oh, she made a goof. It's more like yeah. Half Life. They're working on Half Life for this thing. Everybody just goes white as yeah. a sheet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The hope know. springs eternal. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe the hope is actually dead. Maybe they won't ship any of this stuff. Yeah. That would be yeah. in keeping. <laughs> yeah. True that. We were saying this sitting in a room with a 3D printed Steam controller and with a Steam box that blue screened on boot and we never got an update for. So <laughs> who's to say? There's a 3D printed Steam controller? Yeah, it's yeah. somewhere in there. In it's, that drawer. Did, did they just send you a blueprint blueprint for your 3D no, printer? No, Chris went to Dev Days and they gave, they gave him that stuff oh, okay. like two years ago. Oh, okay. That came out of a 3D printer? Yeah. Yeah. Man. We live in the future. Yeah. Well, Valve did all their prototyping. We live in the future of that time. Time. I didn't realize that. Yeah, we oh. do live in the future of that time where we don't have a Steam box <laughs> or a Steam controller that is not made out of a rapid prototyping machine. Oh. Do you guys want to take a break? I guess. Okay. Sure. Time to clap. There we go. Video game. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Hover. We've talked about them a lot. They're a fantastic domain name registrar. If you're looking to register 
any of the old favorites dot com dot biz dot org you should definitely Classic go dot there biz. <laughs> <laughs> dot net uh hovers a fantastic place to go for that uh and they also have all the new wacky ones which i took advantage of very recently by purchasing mitten dot cat <gasps> oh yeah. yeah i love it so you can go to mitten.cat right now and see a photo of a really cute cat. And Aww. possibly by the time this airs, you can go to classic.biz. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably taken. Yeah. The so cat took it. Yeah. You should totally try Hover, and you can get 10% off your first purchase at Hover by using the promo code CRUST. Possibly. Adam <laughs> Thumbs episode 200. It's time for some new jokes. CRUST. Classic. CRUST joke. Which might be a mistake. Or Puffins. What other word do you think the crust promo code could be applying to? <laughs> the Jorno internal podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this yeah. Thanks, the, yeah. Thanks, Hover and the DiGiorno employee training podcast for, yeah. this, for this week's promo code. Yeah. Hover.com slash crust promo code crust. Yeah. Video game. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to build your own personal website portfolio or online store i used it at christmas actually to make my dad a website for his accounting firm oh we talked about this when you weren't on the podcast oh you did yeah Yeah. so i just sat down and used it from from jump street and uh unlike chris and jake i don't really i've I've never really done web development but uh squarespace made it really easy to make something that looked awesome and professional for my dad it's like I'm not going to say the URL. <laughs> it's not really worth promoting on the podcast. But Squarespace is fantastic. And you can go to squarespace.com and get 10% off your first purchase uh, with the offer code THUMBS at checkout. I actually really do recommend it now as a user of it and not just somebody who liked the look of it from afar. But it'll look great on mobile. It'll look great on your computer. And you or whoever you give it to will be very happy. I do use Squarespace. And it is wonderful. Thanks, Squarespace. Uh, unlike Sean, I will share the URL to Sean's dad's website, which is vanamancpa.com. Thanks, Chris. If you <laughs> live in the greater Wyoming, Montana, Idaho basin and need any sort of personal tax things done, go to that URL. <laughs> My dad has clients in many states. I'm sure there's a non-zero number of people who listen to this podcast who can use some kind of tax advice who live in that region. It's tax season right now. It's true. Yeah, he's actually really good. He's actually a super good Tell Jim that Idle Thumbs sent you. (laughs) He does Idle Thumbs' taxes. And he'll give you 10%. This is a stealth third ad. The guy who does our taxes whose site we built on Squarespace. (laughs) Which is my dad. He'll get get all this email and then not know what to do. And then he'll be be like, like, Sean, what is horse bag? I don't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Tell your friends to stop emailing me. Uh, you think this is some sort of joke? You think this is my livelihood? Turns into DMX. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Squarespace. Video game. So, Chris, what did you think about that Forbes article about Notch? I don't know. I mean, I don't have strong feelings about it necessarily. I thought so. This was the, this was an article basically that traced uh, Notch's kind of like. I don't know, psychological arc, I guess, t- towards selling um, Mojang and then since then. So it kind of describes why he started becoming disillusioned with his like position in the video game industry uh, and then what he's been up to 
since he sold the company, which is basically just like hanging out. Uh, I don't know. What did you What did you think of it? I mean, I don't know. I, I <laughs> no the, art- the article is written from a perspective because like Notch isn't just hanging out. Like Notch is engaging in a type of like commercial largesse. Yeah, that not Notch's version of hanging out involves outbidding Beyonce for yeah. a house, <laughs> and then yeah. by virtue of having outbid Beyonce for a house, polishing a chrome machine gun slash motorcycle pair that was inside that house that he bought came it was with a it. package deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shuffling around his life size M M&M and M statues. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, so that what was I mean? What was the thrust of the article? I mean, I think the, the article was actually really dark. The take on the article was sort of wait, the, was it was it dark because of like the the author's perspective or just because of Notch's? That's life? the truck. I mean, I think that the author's. I mean, the, the journalist's perspective is um, sort of like doubled down on on it. You know, I mean, it was very like self. It was very selective and mm. sort of the the vignettes of the day to day in the life of Marcus Person that it chose to show. Because, like, I mean, the best metaphor, or I guess the best example of that in total, like, looking at the article as a whole, is the article ends with uh, his, like, buddy opening um, a piece of mail, and in it is a letter from a fourth grader that says, hi, will you please keep making new Minecraft? Here's it says a- it has some feature requests. Yeah, I would like whatever, you know, it's a 10-year-old fourth grader. Yeah. Yeah. I would, like... This feature would be awesome. I can't wait for more Minecraft. And stapled to the letter was like, here's a dollar. Oh, oh no. And Notch just goes, like, takes the dollar and looks at the reporter and goes, hey, look, we got a bribe today. <laughs> oh, my God. And then looks at the dollar and the article ends with, so I, what, should we, like, send this back? And that's the well, last words of the article. Oh, my <laughs> so, God. The way, the way that I read that anecdote. Though, I'm curious be, how you read that because I read it as the most cynical shit. His initial bribe response was just the kind of like knee jerk, like, ah, here's here's my funny comment. And then at least the way the author wrote it, it sounds as though like his demeanor actually changes. And he's like, wait, wait a second. Should we send this back? Like I read that as though he makes the joke and then he considers like, wait a second, like I'm not actually the person they should be sending this to. I read that as an actual human moment of him, like that's interesting. Considering the perspective of the person who sent it, I was IMing with Cable Sasser of Panic, going beat by beat through this article, and we both <laughs> took it the like a more cynical way, which is, I guess, more telling about us us as people. <laughs> <laughs> Not but, just the lens through which you see yourself. It's yes. true. That's correct, Jake. He's like that mirror of truth from a. Isn't there some like in Fantasia like- or some shit like that? <laughs> <laughs> like in Harry Potter, where you see your parents hang out with you, like no, that? that's the pool of desire or whatever, mirror of desire. <laughs> I Jesus don't know if that's Christ. what any of these things are. I the mirror that shows your truth. Notch is really just the mirror of desire, or Ezrid, <laughs> or, or some sort of Ezrid. pool of desire. <laughs> it, is, it is something bullshit like that in Harry Potter. I don't, I don't think that it is. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't think that Notch is Ezrid, the mirror of desire. <laughs> That's his secret. I like this. This is new, like Notch lore that is created. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It's funny because so I read that article, Chris, and I don't. There's probably not a whole a lot of like meat on these bones to continue to talk about Notch. I although, although meat on these bones. I mean, I mean, <laughs> not, not on this week. episode, but well then. <laughs> um, the, oh, the other thing that I think was important to point out about the journalist's perspective on Notch as a person was that 
there's a level of sort of patronizing in the way that they describe his life. Like the jocular sort of like dick jokes they make in his office where they don't do any work, but just play video games. And then how they're, it's, you know, it's a typical boys club affair with this, a bar and a new DJ booth, parenthesis, Notch is learning to spin. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, right. it's just like the, you know what I mean? That, that's the, that's the, he said as he munched on a truffle fry of oh, right. yes. that kind of right. Exactly right. Well, that, article. That, the journalist's perspective was kind of, that hand was tipped pretty early on in the article because the journalist makes some aside or some remark when it says, like, he says something like, you know, after Notch now clears this one and a half billion dollars or whatever, and uh, how has he been conducting himself? Not very impressively. <laughs> like that. That the the author says something yep. like that. It's an impressive right at the beginning, purchase. where it's just like this person is not impressed. Which on, I mean, on some level, like on the other hand, created mm, probably one of the very most important cultural touchstones of the generation that's younger than us, right. like in their entire lives. Fuck off, yeah. <laughs> writer. Yeah. Like, you don't understand that this person made an impact on, like, everyone under the age of 20 yeah. that mm-hmm. is indelible. Right. You're just looking at him as, oh, he made some games, and now he's got a DJ booth. Like, fuck <laughs> off. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it would yeah. be, like, yeah, it's hard. It's very challenging. Because, like, what I did, actually, after I read this article, and just sort of thought about all the, like, Everything like you know, I went and watched the video of the fly through of his house again, and like this, just to like really get a whole picture of like the past year of Notch. And then I went back to September of last year and read the "I'm done working on my I'm done with Mojang" um, email because I remember reading that when I first when it, he first posted it to his website and seeing in my brain, like closing my eyes and seeing Notch in like. Where's Notch from, by the way? I can never remember. Is one yeah. which Nordic Sweden. country? Sweden. Sweden. Okay. Yeah. And like closing my eyes and seeing Notch in a really expensive multi-million dollar home in like the woods in Sweden, working on a very nice computer, just kind of like tinkering and solving programmer problems and being on the internet. And I was like, oh, if that's the life that guy wants, cool. And I had envisioned it so clearly while reading that post on his website that I thought it was portrayed in the words of the of his goodbye letter. So then when Notch bought a $75 million home off Beverly Glen, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, well, what? The, the like, thing is, and like, I went not... back and read the letter today and I'm like, oh, like, he never said what he was going to do. Like, he said he just wanted to go, like, he was done and just wanted to go have fun. This is his version of fun. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is the guy that was like, Throwing a free Skrillex party for GDC for the last however many years. Yeah. And so forth. But like, well, you on never the other know hand, what that stuff, right? With that stuff, it's like, oh, he wants to just give back to everyone. Yeah. And then I kind of went like, oh, no, he just wants to be cool and famous. <laughs> but, <laughs> Which is, yeah. it's, but it's not like he's living in that house in Beverly Hills. I mean, he's a Swedish citizen. He can't, like, have permanent residency in that home. I think he just bought that to have parties in and hang out in when he was in the States. Yeah, like, I don't know what the rest of his life is going to be like. I don't think it's sitting next to that James Dean replica I think he does live in Los Angeles, by the way. I think he does no, live no, in No, he doesn't. The article talks about this. He has an office he goes to every day in Sweden. Oh, God, that I totally fucking got that backwards. I got that, like, ass backwards reading the article for some reason. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah. You know what's a funny thing to me about this article? And this is not specific to Notch or Minecraft necessarily, but it is specific to, um, I guess, the fact that Notch is, like, sort of a portly dork. Uh, so, sure. like, <laughs> No, I, that's valid, yeah. In this, in this article, 
there's an embedded video that has like various bits of audio that are intercut with B-roll from the magazine photo shoot, like the professional photo shoot oh, no. of Notch. <laughs> and they do it, the, like they go all out the way they would with, you know, like any other person who's featured in an article like this. And it was so strange to see someone like Notch who looks, I mean, we work in the video game industry, so we know, you know, that a lot of people in the video game industry don't like prize sort of like really tailored clothing on a daily basis and like, you know, incredibly like laborious makeup and things um, the way that obviously people in like Hollywood do, or at least certain fields in Hollywood um, but usually those are the people who get the whole like professional photo shoot treatment. And it's so weird seeing that and being like, oh yeah, you can, I, you can get this either by being like a world leader or a movie star or an incredibly beautiful person, or you can just do it by having a shitload of money via anything. <laughs> and like, yeah. those yep. will all equally grant you that, that. Status. You'll get the weird photo shoot montage video. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I almost wonder if there's an element of, like, weird, shitty, narcissistic American cultural tourism to this, too. Like, I didn't read this article, but, oh, like, yeah, but the idea of, like, oh, look at this nerd who thinks he's, he thinks he's people now, you know, like, no, the Hollywood kind of... it wasn't kinda... like that. It was just, it's a bizarre article. I don't know. Like, it's a level of success... Like a level of like unplanned success that I don't think anyone can ever imagine, and it's I mean, very yeah. I, I think ahead. one of the reasons that we're having we're struggling to come up with really specific opinions and reactions to this is because, <coughs> sorry, the the article itself doesn't really make a point about anything. It's like, and part of that's because okay, this guy did this like really amazing thing, but the article picks up after that. And then the the author of the article sets out to figure out like what is this guy doing with this like basically infinite wealth that he now has and it's like uh he's just kind of spending the money on some fun things and still just kind of being a dorky dork <laughs> and that's it like there's not there's no like and honestly I feel like that kind of stuff happened like uh, in I don't know what the late nineties ish when they would be like check out bill gates house you can change the wallpaper because it's leds what <laughs> right, a fucking right, right. you know ridiculous yeah. thing to spend your money on and it's like okay well now he like runs multiple foundations that are trying to you know cure improve diseases everywhere yeah. and in improve education around the world and stuff. all of which have led wallpaper in their main office <laughs> man baller uh but i feel like there's, there is Notch that point teams up with bill gates to cure malaria holy shit that's gonna be a full idle thumbs circle complete <laughs> <laughs> that's true well one of the things actually about the article that is that is noteworthy in that respect is that Notch just actually like addresses the idea of charity as one he's like so i want to just kind of have fun and throw parties and like uh maybe do some charity i haven't really thought much about the charity part yet i have to figure out what i'm gonna do with the charity but that kind of seems like it's just trying to score points anyway so he sort of brings this up and then immediately is kind of already not super excited about the idea. Oh. Well, okay. Weird. So maybe yeah. maybe there is no redemption. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Notch often responds to internet cr cr critiques by replying with a moving image of Woody Harrelson in the movie Zombieland wiping away tears with money. <laughs> to which he replies, I know it's kind of douchey. 
That's from the article. I read it like ten times. That one sentence. I, the so first I have time I read that, I read "moving" as like touching or poignant. Or <laughs> <laughs> like that doesn't sound that impressive. Oh my goodness! I read it too. Oh. <laughs> Anybody played any video games? Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> and like, that does it for episode 200. <laughs> yeah, I'll be back next One week. One polite yes. <laughs> Best okay. game you played recently. Um. Okay. I got it down to like three. Is that cool? <laughs> What's the best one of the three? Yeah. Oh, well, the best one of the three is probably 80 Days. Okay, I finally played it. Oh, shit! And I'm yeah. bringing it up because I actually went to the writer, Meg... Meg Janth? Janth, yes. Yeah. I went to her talk, and I played the game for, like, two hours before I went to her talk because I was feverishly like, oh, shit, I actually need to know what I'm talking about to write about this. What was her talk like? Um, I mean, it was pretty base level. I mean, it was pretty basic, you know, tips for indies, tips for writers, work well together. Play nice, have respect, do your research. A lot of fairly basic stuff, but, you know, it was well... There's a lot of people who don't do it. Yeah, so. there's a lot of people who definitely don't do yeah. it, so... Get it out there. Yeah. No, 80 Days and is fantastic. And she's an engaging speaker, too, so it's yeah. that's helpful. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I say 80 Days is fantastic. Did you like it when you played I it? I loved it. Absolutely. Did I you mean, go all the way around the world, or was it a partial journey? It was a partial journey. It was kind of as much as I could play. I got assigned to go to the stock. During GDC, I'm kind of a pinch hitter, because I'm not exactly, like little Ms. reporter i'm kind of like the pinch hitter for the team like go to a place because people have 10 other things they need to do right so i was assigned that like two hours before and i was just like okay shit and patricia you know my girlfriend she just had it on her phone and she's been telling me to play it for a while so she just sort of handed it over it was great i mean i know we've talked Mm -hmm. about it a lot so i won't go on and on but it's obviously a really awesome story-based game that seems to have a lot to say and you know Mm -hmm. she did talk a bit about you know don't be afraid to be political in your game and don't be afraid to be you know, to question ethics and to question, you know, historical periods and so on and so forth. What was Which, the most memorable thing that happened in your your partial playthrough of 80 Days? Oh, God. Um, it, that right there. There was a <laughs> was malaria outbreak. That was Chris Remo and, and Phineas Fogg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I don't know. I guess it was just sort of exploring um, Western Russia and, and just sort of... I. I had a phase when I was in high school. I don't know if other people have this phase where I was obsessed with uh, interesting things about Russia. I read huh. like a day in the life of Ivan Vesovich. I know at least one and, person that's true yeah, yeah. associated <laughs> with this podcast. I just, you know, found that really cool and really interesting. Just the little details, yeah. you know, sort of going to these different places that I had maybe read about when I was 15 and thought they were interesting. <laughs> so memorable for a weird reason, but still kind of cool. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I played... Like one and a half times through 80 Days because the first time I played it, I was like day 70 and I was still in Hawaii or something. Oh, nice. Never mind. Fuck it. Oh, uh, did you stop? Yeah. I just. Oh, man. I just started You over. shouldn't have. Well, it's too late. Those I know, but those, like, when you decide, like, I'm just going to get home, that 81st day, the tone of the game just has <laughs> such a shift and it's just you and a sad rich dude. Just kind of getting there. Like, it's just like, this becomes like a like an Alexander Payne movie. <laughs> just like, well, just, just, just quietly sitting on like the deck of a shitty boat, looking at the horizon. Beer ain't drinking. Think, yep. Yeah, it's really great. I love, that's one of my, that's probably my favorite thing about the game was me, me from too, 80 day to like, I got to England the first time in like day 94. Those two weeks were just like this amazing movie in my head. It's like I wanted the game, I wanted the movie of my playthrough to start on day 79, and they're in New Orleans. <laughs> they're like, well, we're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go no, ahead. yeah, no, I played, I, I 
I started over because I'm never, never going to make it. And the second time I played through, I made it... I, I may be misremembering this, but I made it in like a super short amount of time. I made it in like... 39 days or something oh, i was just shit. like what Ta-da! the fuck uh but it was awesome like because I, I, I found a lot of accidental shortcuts where i was like oh fuck i ended up in panama okay i'm riding some weird big tractor down to the coast and it was like really surprising uh and very very different from the first time that i that i played through it um but i would yeah i played that basically for like the entire day one day because i was just like i can't put this down <laughs> it was probably my my goatee of the year goatee yeah, I could certainly see that. I would agree with that. That was my goatee for sure. There's well, so many goatees. Man, goatee.cx would have been it's, easy. It's settled. would have just said 80 days. And I would have sat there and been like, but alien. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that what would be that. Alien, <laughs> what about alien, though? What about alien? Just like that. I'm pretending to be Newt. It's fun. Um, by the way, oh my God, there's another alien movie. Anyway, we can talk about that Mm-mm, some other day. We don't need to. Some other day. Some other <laughs> lifetime. Let's see, what else? Oh, I played a cool cyberpunk game. I actually played this on my birthday uh, on the Idol Thumb. A, cy- a very special cyberpunk game. It, it was very special. It's called Black Ice, and it is a... <laughs> oh, yeah. God, Steve's head whipped around. You, okay, your head awesome. Because like- I played the shit. <laughs> oh, it, was, okay. it was early access. I played it. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's, a, it? it's like a... it's. So here's the weird thing. Me, from my own background, the thing that it's the closest analog to is... The thing in Bioshock 2 where you would put a little sister down and she was gathering on a body and then a bunch of enemies would come at you? Yes. Because it's like a horde mode thing where you start hacking, like... So it it takes place in, like, classic 80s, like, neon wireframe cyberspace. Uh So you're, like, jacked in during Black You are 100% jacked in. And so you go in and uh, you're basically trying to take over, like, nodes in cyberspace that are kind of laid out like a city. And so he's like, okay. You, is, it really, is the word really take over? It's got to have, there's probably some specific verb. Oh, God. Really? I, it's, okay, I played this like four or five months ago. I'm sorry. It's, but it was good. It's definitely one, like a hacker term. It's, it was. It's definitely like. Dominating a yeah, node. Yeah, it's something dominating. <laughs> I don't know. But like, you, you, so, you, so you start hacking this node and there's like a timer and then all of these crazy you know, ice uh, programs start attacking you. And it's a first-person shooter, but, like, very abstract. So you, like, upgrade your abilities to destroy these programs that are trying to kill you before you can finish hacking the nodes. And then you're just kind of building your way up more and more to, like, more and more difficult nodes as you upgrade yourself. It's a lot of fun. And it's, it's really good. it's really pretty, too, because it is yes. the crazy, like, neon-on-black aesthetic. A recall aesthetic? It is. Yeah. It certainly yeah. is. You would, so you would, defi- you would say this game is very recall? I would say it's recall. Mm. .tumblr.com. <laughs> uh, what did you think of it? it, it well, yeah. I, I I should pick it back up because it has been a long time since I've played it, and I wonder if it's like changed a lot. Yeah, I mean, I've I've only played it a little bit, mm-hmm. and I just sort of was drawn to it because you know somebody said this is like a cyberpunk game. It's neon. It's eighties. It's all these things. All these recall things. things. Yeah. <laughs> um, just recall I, things. Recall things. <laughs> I I quite enjoyed it. You know, I didn't get too too far. Um, I was playing without an actual mouse. I was oh. playing on my trackpad, and I was kind of like, oh, well, okay, cool. <laughs> this is an actual shooter. Because I went into it thinking, oh, I know, okay. It says it has shooter mechanics, but I don't, you know, whatever. I, for some reason, I thought it would not actually be, you know, an intense shooting experience. I mean, it, it is, you know, no. Instead, it's normal. way, it, it's, well, but it's like, it is way more kind of like, Doom-ish than sure. a lot of current shooters because it all it is all about like big groups of these enemies yeah. kind of bearing down on and you and you're in you a very small them. you're in a very small contained space as right. well so it's 
Yeah. Yeah. When you start hacking a node, it basically puts, like, a radius around you that you're stuck inside with all the enemies as they're coming at you. And mm-hmm. you can, like, throw down traps or just do direct damage to them. You can... And it, it has, like, some kind of Bioshocky powers. Like, you can send one faction of enemies against the other and they start fighting each other. So you can, like, clear out other enemies while they are in this fracas. It's fun. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Black Ice. Black yeah. Ice. A cool game. It's on Steam and stuff. Yeah. I think it's still early access, maybe. Okay. Uh, but it's quite complete. Never crashed on me. <laughs> None of these things happened, so that was all cool. You looks like you had a question. I was going to ask Steve a question about Bioshock 2. I think you should. Oh. Did you... I thought you were going to ask, if you die in Black Ice, do you die in real life? I know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, yes. Um, Correct. Did you work on any of like the particulars of that sort of horde mode stuff in bio 2 or were you all level design and scenario design i mean i placed those things but i wasn't working it feels like tuning those and getting those right would be really hard without them seeming like like feeling the same like you get one that feels good at a certain like you know scripting level there was i mean there was some of that those would be tough well because the thing about i remember them all being really good in that game actually oh absolutely i never i don't i hadn't thought about that particular aspect of the game because it's not usually what i notice in a game and then listening to you guys talk about Black Ice and you had mentioned Bio 2 at the beginning, I was like, oh, wait, like I actually really enjoyed all of those. And they yeah. happened quite frequently. They yeah. Well, one thing is they were all like player opt-in, so they could happen a lot if you wanted them to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, you know, it was like, if I like these things, I can do them, which is cool, as opposed to you have to, to be successful. But uh, as a level designer on a, on a Bioshock game, you get, well, I don't know. Yeah, at least on, like, Bioshock 1 and 2, there was, like, a subset of all the enemy types in each level. So it was, like, each level can only have, like, two or three enemy types. Like, there can be the guys that teleport and the pistol guys mm-hmm. and uh, the ceiling crawlers. But if you have those three guys, you can't also have, like, the guys that just run at, at you with a wrench or the grenadiers or whatever. So, mm-hmm. like, each level kind of has a certain subset of enemies that you might encounter in it which is that then, a balancing thing or is that a technical i think that honestly it was like a memory limit i was thing. gonna say a memory thing yeah because um, of like animation right overhead mm-hmm. um but it meant that as a designer on a level in bioshock 2 which gather sequence like balancing you could have was based on which enemies were in your level so it was kind of interesting when you're like well i have a level with like the big brawny brute enemies so my gather sequence like horde mode encounters are going to have those guys in it and that's totally different from some other levels which was cool Uh uh-huh um it was it was interesting to have to think about your level in terms of where would be good to put one of these bodies down because it kind of works well as an arena plus all the other stuff that a bioshock level has to do so yeah it was interesting it was cool cool those encounters were very uh memorable i you know i only played that game once and it was Right when it came out, I actually reviewed it. So, you know, five years later or whatever it, it's been, I remember, like, the place I was in when I did all those gather sequences. <laughs> like, I remember exactly sort of what the bodies looked like slumped over. I remember what types of weapons I used, things like that. So, it, oddly, that is something that's always stuck in my head. I think it's uh, it, the night. The, I think one of the reasons that the design team wanted to do something like that was because there's so many tools, you know, like, weapons and and powers and stuff in bioshock that are really good for setting up traps and Mm -hmm. like kind of controlling the environment Mm -hmm. and there aren't depending on your play style a lot of reasons to actually take advantage of them like most of the time it's just like shoot fireballs and shotgun shells at guys and just waste on them but when you're like okay i'm gonna 
I have to set up a perimeter because I start this thing and guys are just going to start pouring in. It's like, well, I should put traps here and I should put trap bolts right. there. And, you know, I should actually like hack all these machines before I start the gather so they can help. And, and I think that you had to really be conscious of the environment and the, the like level geometry in a way you didn't normally have to be. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably, I, I assume, or I don't know, my guess would be that's kind of why it stuck with sticking. you. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was a really yeah. good choice. I, I mean, I'm not a very skilled FPS player. So something like that was great for me where I could actually plan something out and take my time and think about it yeah. and, and do that kind of thing as opposed to like actually having great, you know, just dexterity. Just, yeah. And it, we, we put in achievements for like, don't fire a shot during a gather sequence. Yeah. Because it's all like your traps and the hack things that, because, you know, it allowed you to do stuff like that. Uh, so it was fun. Cool stuff. Cool games. Cool games. Nice. <laughs> I, have a, I have a third Thanks, cool Jake. game. What is it? Game the want, third. Do you want to cool hear about the, the cool third. game the third? Why not? Okay. God, I want you to like adopt a puppy and name it that. By the way, this is Cool I'm Game like, the Third. Here's Cool Game the Third. Junior. And then I, I'll do two noises at it. Yeah. Um, it's not Dishonored, but it's Disorder. What's Disorder like? Silence. Is that the full the name of the game? Intro yep. of it. That just died. Today, it's not Dishonored. It died. It's Dishonored. It, okay, Disorder is an interesting game. It is a puzzle platformer. Yes, I know. Um, but it, it is. Ooh, do you play as some sort of animal type creature? <laughs> you actually don't in this okay, one. Right. You play as a depressed human, mm. a very Aww. sad person, a person uh. who has. Uh, well, I guess this is where I put a little content warning. This is a game about suicidal thoughts and depression and anxiety <clears throat> and basically mental strife. A puzzle a platformer. Yes, and what you do is you know very simply walk and jump and you swap the world between sort of a dark world and a light world it's a little cheesy it's a little bit of you know okay schizoid there's darkness and there's light it's, right it's a little heavy-handed in terms of of the way the of game plays metaphor exactly yeah. exactly um but it's actually a really satisfying and fun platformer and very difficult much more so than i thought it would be because you know the controls aren't exactly super tight but they don't really need to be because it's it's much more about sort of um, swapping between the worlds really quickly and really, you know, mm -hmm. doing that well. It's a it's a game I'm really genuinely enjoying on sort of the gameplay level, mm -hmm. but I'm having kind of a hard time wrapping my head around the idea that this team wanted to explore something like mental illness. And mm -hmm. when I first started playing it, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This feels like a game that one to three people made and somebody was suffering from an actual mental illness and wanted to make like a personal game, like something mm -hmm. that showed something they had been through. And there were all these, there are all these little touches in the game that have to do with like a brother who maybe something bad happened to the brother. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a relationship there. Um, and I really thought when I was sort of first playing like, Oh, clearly personal game. I, I usually really dig that sort of thing. I really like games that kind of come mm -hmm. from a place like that. Um, but, and I was actually playing this on the stream and people were saying like, you know, they're reading dev logs, uh, from the people who made it, who were like, we did our research about mental illness and all this stuff. And I was kind of like, oh, this feels a little more like appropriation than an actual personal right. experience. So I'm, I'm of two minds. Oh God. Yep. <laughs> oh, Sorry. I wow. honestly, uh, well, honestly nice did not even mean that 50 one. episodes of Out of Thumbs. Yeah, <laughs> Chris, what were you saying? I was saying, so what you're saying is you wish the developer were super depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. That's uh, what I want for people. Um, uh, oh, they're not even going to be now. They're not even really depressed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. God, so inauthentic. 
This is this is a, a I, I feel like a sort of minor trend that I've noticed just um, kind of just by keeping up with the new games that came out on Steam. Um, and I haven't played a ton of these games, but I feel like starting with um, uh, what was that Mike Bithell's game? Um, Thomas is alone. Yeah, Thomas is alone. Um, there's uh, this sort of current small trend of games that are visually like entirely set in a relatively like traditional gameplay genre and visually just look like that as well. Um, but then use like voiceover or some other thing to introduce like really either weighty or very mundane topics on top without like a huge amount of synergy necessarily between them, which isn't necessarily bad, but it's just a thing I've noticed because there's this game David that came out as well. That's like basically abstract uh, visually, but the description is you play David, an awfully small abstracted chosen hero tossed into a blissfully simple world overrun by giant culmination of evil physics beast. Um, and then the, like the, the summary says this game is designed to be difficult I poured myself into developing this game for nights and nights and nights. It is almost tough to share. I hope it feels strangely personal. It is a game about struggles in life, a game about David, um, which is like fair enough. But I, I just don't know what to make of this trend because then there's also this game called A Story About My Uncle, I was which I saw, about which is this uh-huh. like crazy like Bionic Commando style um a grappling hook thing where you're swinging through the air, but it's also about a boy searching for his lost uncle. Um, and like, yeah, pres- presumably also like trying to really claw at, at a lot of kind of deeper, more profound themes. And I, I just, um, I was trying to remember these two and I just found them on steam just now, but I, I'm certain I know that I've seen like a number of additional games that kind of fall into this general category that I'm trying to describe. Yeah, you know, I, really, I've I seen the. Feel about it I've seen the trailer. Like I saw some stuff about uh, a story my uncle told, or a story about my uncle. Which one was it? A story about my uncle. Yeah. So I was like, oh, a story about my uncle. That sounds evocative. And I clicked through it. I was like, oh, apparently, apparently, my uncle had a sweet cyber glove. Your <laughs> 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 uncle about him was a badass. <laughs> he was the hand all along. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it's, you know, I thought. It's a did you play Papa and Yo? Chris, Chris, did you play oh, Papa oh. and Yo? No, I know what you're talking about, but I like. Played. I thought that game is sort of uh, it's in the same vein in terms of like, oh, it's a puzzle platformer, but and has like surrealist art and you know, et cetera, et cetera. But is about you know abuse and having like an like a alcoholic abusive father basically. Uh, the monster is a metaphor for, uh, I guess. I think I don't know. If, I think it's Vanderkabiero's story, mm. supposedly. Yeah, I, don't, I, think I don't it want is to. I, yeah, I think personal, it is. But yeah. I'm, yeah, I think it is a personal story. I thought that game was successful though in that because um, the art was so. The art wasn't minimal. The art was like, I mean, if you've seen Papa and Yo, like you can tell that it's like looks like a modern 3D like platformer with a like fully animated like rigged character in like a very art directed world. So because the game doesn't have a minimalist aesthetic, there's just way more choices to have to make like scene to scene that force you to, to, to like double down on all your metaphors. Um, when you say you, are you talking about the developer? I force the developer to double down on the metaphors. Yeah. So I thought the game was actually successful in that, but it is in that sort of like 
groundswell of personal stories inside of a um like traditional game design. I don't mean traditional in a bad way or anything. But like right. they're general video game videos are almost always yeah. platformers. Yeah, it's a puzzle platformer. It's a great one though. I mean yeah, yeah. we've talked about oh, it. On yeah. the podcast. I, I think that one definitely straddles the line a little more, at least based on what I know about it. Yeah. Because that one seems almost more like an allegory or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I don't know. I think like I don't want to like ever level it like games are trying like certain games are trying to like I don't know, co opt a theme for like legit like for the intent like purpose of legitimacy or something like that but um i don't know i think in when these when a game like this kind of like falls on its face or it doesn't quite succeed it kind of just feels and i'm not saying this is david or this game or whatever but when you do that it kind of has that vibe of like air quote serious fiction you try to write in college yeah (laughs) you know um (laughs) though like anybody who ever like is was creative in college is guilty of um. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's like I'm, I'd much rather like I'm glad that stuff is in the past so of my here, life and not on Steam. Yeah, clear clear dividing line that I could make between uh, the way that Pablo and Yo and the way a lot of these other games are actually presented, and this is a sort of an objective division, and doesn't necessarily speak to the quality of the game or the success of these specific artistic goals. But I will say it influences my assumptions about them a lot, which is that if you go to the Steam page for Papo and Yo and you read the description, the description is just about the like representative story that is, I assume, literally told in the game. Right. Um, it's like a boy the, the, fighting the, against the About the game thing doesn't also include like an editorial note that tells you what <laughs> you're supposed to draw from the game. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's at least some amount of correlation between like having to spell out before the players even started playing the game, what the themes are supposed to be and maybe a a level of lack of subtlety in how the game itself present them. I think that's a Uh, really, that's really apt. Yeah. That's very apt. That's very wise. I'm going to give disorder the, uh, (laughs) the the benefit of the doubt until I finish it. And I think it's actually a pretty short. Sure. Absolutely. Again, like I don't mean to, to actually, like pass any oh yeah yeah kind of overall yeah. judgment on any of these games individually. I'm only speaking to why I've like one of the once I start to notice a trend of like three or four things that all feel like they're sort of cut from the same cloth. It just makes it harder for me to get over the the to push into the territory of being like oh man I'm really excited to play this. Um, because I start to worry that they will all kind of approximate each other, which is not to say that that is actually what happens in the game, but mentally sure. that's a thing that I, I end up running into. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm more concerned in terms of this game. Uh, it's something I've been worried about, you know, just more and more as I've been educating myself on these issues of just sort of, the of appropriation. The oh, disorder is disorder. the name of it. Okay, thanks. Yeah, no, and it's it's more. It's more riding the line respectfully between doing your research about something and, you know, sort of presenting something with clarity and respect and so on and so forth and making something look like this is my personal story and it's sexy because of that. And that's why what I'm selling here almost on some level. Um, And I guess that's just sort of what I need to do my own homework about and read more about Disorder and actually finish the game. I'll report back. I'm looking at the the trailer (laughs) for this game right now and like – all of the quotes about it 
all like the first quote says disorder is sad, depressing, and fantastic. Um, and the the next quote says um, it's about coping with sadness, um, and so on and so on. And these are different than the developer in the kind of synopsis yes. saying that from their own mouth. But it's also not entirely different because they're choosing those um, right. They're right. choosing those specific points to highlight in their official marketing. And I, again, I just kind of I guess feel okay. This one says one of the best arguments I've seen for games as an art form. Which, like, man, that's, I don't know. I, yeah. I guess I feel like if your game is about something, I would rather, as a player, find that out in the playing of the game and not have it seated in my mind ahead of time. It's one thing if a friend tells you, because you can't really um, control that. Like, right, if it's just a friend says, oh, man, I played this crazy game about this, or if you hear about it on our thumbs because we say so, because that's we right. say it's like, art. I, I think this is what it's about. That's one thing. But that just we're your feels friends. totally yeah, different. Yeah, we're your internet friends. Than the like, <laughs> controlling voice of the game, putting that forth as official materials. You'll know, you'll know Chris, that we've fallen off the cliff for this when games start doing like the Ethan Carter or Telltale disclaimer, but it's just like, attention. This game is art. <laughs> <laughs> this game is important. Yes. Beware. And then like you start Beware. the game. <laughs> I don't know. Um, do you Beware guys, art ahead. Do you guys Yes. Watch for art. <laughs> I saw King's Quest today. The new oh, King's really? Quest. Yeah. And it's actually looking quite good. Really? Yeah. They. I mean, it's... That's Odd Gentleman? Yes, it mm-hmm. is, actually. Huh. Um, they were demoing... You know, it was a developer-driven demo. I didn't have my hands on it or anything, sure. but, you know, he was playing it, showing it off. The animation looks really good, actually. Huh. How much actual control do you have over the game from your perception of that? Because the for the previews that they put out, it looked kind of like it was... Halfway between like the like uh, the Dreamfall Longest Journey sequel demo and like Dragon's Lair, like that's yeah. what it yeah, felt that, like. That was the, my concern that it looked really QTE. It doesn't appear that way okay. when it's being played in front of me, but okay. obviously this is a twenty-minute developer demo being driven by a dev who knows exactly what to do. So it always comes with a grain of salt, but it, it appeared to be you know well, what was the pretty stuff normal three D on screen on. because it, yeah, because from like that trailer, I was like. Are they making King's Quest into a platformer? Is that what's happening right now? No, no. I mean, it was there was a sequence with you know an actual dragon and you know sort of a little. Uh, it doesn't have to be a dragon. Well, there there was it. It was actually kind of cute. Okay. You know, you had to keep um. Well, I'd be impressed was... if there's an actual king. Oh, I think there is. Okay, I think it's good. actually framed as if. There's a king telling a story to, like, a grand- granddaughter or something. All right. So there's a king here. Fears allayed. And he's talking about a quest. So it's a literal, it's a very literal game. Is the quest his quest? I'm not sure. Hmm. I'm not sure, because I was, I was looking at other well, games don't, as well. Don't hmm yeah. that, Sean. That's hmm. to be revealed. That's was this a personal game or not? Game. <laughs> Is he appropriating a quest from someone else? I'm angry. Was it a possible yes or no? Who from Odd Gentleman has really actually been in any notable monarchy? (laughs) Until Matt Corbus shows me monarchy papers, fuck King's Quest. (laughs) Chris Rainbow should be making this. He's at least a lord. Oh, it's true. Lord's Quest. Lord's Quest. (laughs) Lord's Quest. (laughs) Oh, man. Yes. Well, So what do you do in the game? This is what I'm at, like... What, what I mean, are the, act- it's, it's what are the ap- actions? It's an adventure game. You're walking around the world. Do they have an it's inventory? It's 3D. There's an inventory. Okay. It's pretty simple. I mean, in the sequences we saw, there were only kind of like three items in your inventory. Okay. So it wasn't like crazy inventory wrangling, putting six things on top of each other. I just feel like, Yet, every, like anyway. the video I saw was just like jumping over stuff. And 
action. They were probably like, oh, this is an action oriented thing. Let's show some jumping in this trailer. (laughs) But but from what was actually played, it was more of like an adventure game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it kind of had the same kind of goofy logic. You need to. One of the puzzles had to do. I'll I'll try to remember this correctly. You'll try Uh, to spoil King's Quest. I'll try to spoil the entire thing for you right here. Uh, No, you had to distract some guards that were keeping you from getting into a knight's contest. Sounds right. And so you had to. uh, Classic. The guards themselves are, you know, alerted to anytime there's strife or problems or, you know, something. They have to go help the citizens. So you have to pretend to drown. And then they are trying to... Okay. This is the solution. Try, no, jump in fine. the water. There's a there's a river. You have to jump in the water, pretend to drown. Get their attention. But you're the but one But you're the one who's drowning. To... How do you then get around them? <laughs> yeah. So you don't actually drown. You let them pretend to save you. And no, they're but trying they... to get credit no. amongst them. There's a group. There's a little rabble. Of of, mm. of guards, uh-huh. and then you you need to uh, topple a uh, a tree that has a beehive on it to further uh, keep okay, them away. Here we go. Here we go. Now yes. we're talking. <laughs> yes, I'm trying. To Man, I thought this was the adventure first. game solution to how to make out with a hot knight. <laughs> that would be cool. Pretend to drown. Pretend to drown. His stubble grazed the across your chin as he lifts his CPR. <laughs> he took it's off like, his. Where did you learn this night? French class. <laughs> Jesus. Then you throw French a beehive class. on his fucking face. You're like fucking owned. I got you. You run in. I think that's how Louise from Bob's Burgers would consider a very romantic. Uh, oh, I would love that moment. Anyway. Queen's Quest. Queen's <laughs> Quest. <laughs> so, so you're trying to figure out how to get guards out of the way so that you can go through a gate. And, and the solution is you get them to make out with you, then you put bees on them. And the solution yes. is yes. CPR. Pretend that you are drowning so they'll come near the bees so yes. you can put the bees on them. Exactly. Does that not also mean you are near the bees? Well, you're on the other side of the tree. You topple bees the tree onto don't them. Like oh, water. Right. No, that makes sense. And then the, the nest falls on that yeah, side of the tree. You summon yeah. the bees, then you drown yourself again to hide from the bees. <laughs> well, it worked for... No, it didn't. First, you it test to make sure the guards have Culkin. a bee allergy. Sorry. Yes, exactly. You, oh. wait, you wait till the guards with the bee allergy in rotation on guard duty. Then you pretend to drown. Then you put the bees in the guards. Then you get in the water again. Then the guards all die from bee stings. Yeah. Then you steal <laughs> the guard costume. Oh, now you're a guard. Now you're a guard and a king. And, and you, you have get to in the guard's armor. The yeah. And you have to distract game. another set of guards. And you jump in the water, but you're wearing the armor, so you sink to the so bottom. you die. Then you die. But you can hold your breath for ten minutes. Wrong franchise. Oh, that's oh. right. I meant to say. Oh. Uh, how about that reader mail? <laughs> Christopher, oh, sorry, that's me. <laughs> How are you feeling, by the way? Are you feeling any better? Uh, I'm pretty congested. And yeah, I'm, we can tell. You know, coffee. Yeah, yeah it's, I'm, I apologize for that. What you've been watching the Pam Greer movie Coffee? Fuck off! Oh Dude, my god, that's a deep pull. <sighs> Whatever. That deep and French bad class. Pull. Yeah. Right, coming right after French well, he class. Said, I'm coffee, and I was like, well, he's not Pam Greer. Maybe he's just been watching the movie. <laughs> That was how my brain works. Where's that reader mail? I'm, I'm cough-ridden. Okay. okay. Oh. So, uh... Oh, I, think I've, I think I was kicked off the podcast. Oh, that's good. Enjoy episode two. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> okay, so Corwin writes, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip the first half of this email because it links to a, a YouTube video that I can't show all you guys, obviously. Can you tell us the half? So, uh, the second half is just a very short bit of robot news. And he writes, uh, Have you come across the Japanese company Cyberdyne? They have an exoskeleton what? for assisting the disabled and elderly with walking. Oh, I've seen and this. And his name is Hal. 
Oh come on! No, that's a real. It's a real thing. They're no. just. They're totally... might as well call it help. <laughs> wow, Sean. I thought you were. Awesome. I thought you were like happened to us. I thought that was. Gonna, I thought you were going to love that. Yeah, I didn't think you were on the podcast anymore. <laughs> You're excommunicated. Help. Help. It helps you because it, it's a exoskeleton for injured people. Yeah. Chris, we have not seen this or heard about it. I have. Come back soon, Chris. <laughs> Come back I'm just, soon. Chris is fault. I'm just going to go to a different email now. Okay. Um, I, feel like Mads, have, I feel like all my friends have turned like that, on me. It's like that bad episode of The Next Generation where everybody just hates the one guy for some reason. Looks like there's going to be a whole lot more Dota today. <laughs> You're saying Sean is the Barkley of this, yeah. of this podcast? Yeah. yeah. It's true. You don't get that reference. No, I don't. I'm Charles Barkley oh. from that from Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> that man rode that role oh like a God. surfboard too. He showed up in Voyager. He showed up in DS Nine. <laughs> my God, Barkley was good though. Barkley was good. It's just it was one of those. He was. They, they were like, we need someone with and I what's bad social anxiety. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know. I knew that. <laughs> yeah, Sean is fired for saying help, but then we talk about Barkley for <laughs> like ten minutes, and everything's fine. I great. also don't know what you're talking about. Uh, We're talking about the next mail? piece of reader mail. Yeah, next generation right, so Brian, of a letter. Brian writes, I can never tell if you guys are still talking or not, so I'm going to assume that you're not. We're not. Uh, you have the floor, Brian Chris. writes, hello, Thumbs. I wanted to thank you for bringing up Link's Awakening, which is my favorite Zelda game. It was also my first, same as the person you quoted. I was 12 when it came out, and I had just gotten a Game Boy recently. To me, this is what Zelda was, and it was not weird to me, just interesting. My family used to have a side job for extra money, which was upkeep on a bank building after hours, mopping, garbage, vacuuming, etc. Robbing. I helped out at this <laughs> large place and I'd occasionally hide out and play. At some point, I started calling the Nintendo hotline for help with this crazy game. Oh, man, I just realized I'm reading a different email than I thought I was. Uh, okay, anyway. <laughs> uh, which okay. I believe was not a charge-by-minute line, but it was long distance to Redmond from Illinois, which is why I didn't call from home. After a while, the bank contacted my parents about some very large charges after hours that could yes. only have been made from, from us. Needless <laughs> to say, that stopped my hotline habit. Oh, that's so great memories, Brian. <laughs> That's an incredible really story. Good. I really love that. Yep. <laughs> he was robbing the bank. Yes, he was. <laughs> um, here's the one I thought I was reading, although I'm glad I read that one as well. Um, Finn Down writes, uh, Finn Downs, I'm sorry, Link's Awakening, Awakening. Hi, Thumbs. I was listening to your discussion of Link's Awakening in episode 198 and Chris's dad's response to first seeing the game. Link's Awakening was not only my first Zelda game, but my first video game experience ever. The Game Boy was a present for my brother, so this was before I had, even, I had even seen games being played at a friend's house or at school. Because of the rudimentary graphics of the Game Boy, and because of the weird semi-overhead perspective of the 2D Zelda games, my five-year-old brain couldn't figure out how to interpret the information on the screen. For a while, I, I assumed the world of Link's Awakening was being seen from a side perspective, like a Mario game. Wow. The game starts you inside Marin's house, with Link waking up after being rescued from a shipwreck. From my perspective, I thought that the floorboards of the house or a giant ladder that Link was climbing on like a spider. Whoa. Oh, that's so I didn't cool. have any concept of moving to another screen. So the only things I could figure out how to do were talk to the two characters, a weird wriggling blob who somehow, somehow mistakes for, quote, Zelda when he wakes up, despite Link never saying a word, and a guy with a mustache who gives you your shield. After restarting the game for a while, I discovered that the, quote, angry statues, a.k.a. pots, in the bottom left of the screen mentioned oh. that they were too heavy to lift. I became convinced that the game was some sort of surreal, complicated puzzle, and the objective was to get these statues into the hole, the doorway, at the bottom of the screen. 
Eventually, my brother showed me that all I needed to do was walk out of the door, and the game made a lot more sense. <laughs> Knowing that the game was inspired by Twin Peaks explains why my first game experience felt so surreal. If you guys ever had similar experiences, I'd love to hear about it. Cheers, Finn from Sydney. That's really good. I feel like the Twin Peaks explanation is not why this was weird. Yeah, no, yeah. No. <laughs> no. Correct. I mean, I remember going from Zelda 1 to Zelda 2 and feeling weirdly betrayed by it being side-scrolling. Yeah. I'm like, that's, that doesn't, yeah. that's not what this... That's not what Link does. This, just, guy, it's really... this guy describing, though, his experience playing this game and not having any sense of what the actual representational art was supposed to be representing. Like, it's trying to click something in my brain from being really young and not understanding what I was looking at when watching pieces of popular entertainment. Mm-hmm. And now I can't come up with the example, yeah. but I know that my brain did that as well. I know that... I had a lot of yeah. examples of like, like, of, like work, of, like, learning what a computer was. Mm. You know what I mean? Of, like, oh, I think this is the internet, but I don't know yet, sort of thing. I just mean, like, looking at, like, what appears to be, like, two parallel lines in a circle and something else, and then your brain finally going, oh, that's a perspective image of a sphere on a floor casting a shadow. You know, or things right, like that, right, where you're yeah. just like, I don't know what I'm even looking at. And it's so crazy to me... That starts with Zelda. Yeah. The only yeah. thing I have is just like that sort of child overhearing things the wrong way. Like I remember as a child, I think I was told this in the podcast, like we moved to the United States from Ireland when I was little and then watching like, I don't know, probably when I was like five or six seeing like a PSA for like a kid's PSA. That's like, it's not cool to drink, you know, oh, so I just like yeah. stopped drinking liquids. You know, like that's literally yeah. like the only thing I can think of is like, like there's what a hole. even mean? I don't want to fall through that hole in the bottom of the floor. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that is a doorway. It's like water is a needed for life. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. That's the only thing I can really think of is that like complete uh, like lack of like lack of perspective. I had that's a, a really good story though. That is an awesome story. I have yeah. a embarrassingly a later in life. I mean, not embarrassed. I was probably 11. It was just the other day someone tweeted yes, a picture yesterday. of a dress at you. Yes, and I, and I wasn't sure what I was seeing. I, the first time I played Mario RPG, I thought it was just a Mario game. Like, a, not when I first booted it up or anything, but, like, I rented it from the local Blockbuster. And I was like, oh, cool, there's another Mario game. And I thought, like, oh, I'm going to play a platformer. And it was an RPG, and I'd never played an RPG before. And I was like, I don't know why Mario's not jumping on things and doing things like this. And it was a cool experience because I, you know, learned about a new kind of game and that I would later be interested in. But I definitely was very confused by what Mario was doing in that game. Thanks, reader. Thank you. If you have any odd perspectives on anything you've ever played, please write us at questions (laughs) at edlethumbs.net. And Chris will read them via Skype on the podcast. We'll send him into the other room. Whether he's here or not. Yeah. Have you got any more? Have you got a final reader mail, Chris? I do not. Okay. Then we're done, I guess. Super. <laughs> what a Episode super show. 200 Here's in the book. This was a super more. show. Would you say this is a super show, Nick? Uh, I don't think it qualifies. <laughs> oh, no. Would you say this was a superb show? Uh, sure. Okay. Trademarked. Yeah. You can have that one. I don't know. Superb show. Yes, it's a title of Superb show. I Sean has something I to say. Pleased. No, I just think we're going to own superbshow.com superb uh, by the time this podcast is over and we'll register it at hover.com. If you have a URL that you need to register, go to hover.com, a fantastic domain registrar. You can go there and use the promo code CRUST for 10% off your purchases. Thanks for sponsoring the podcast this week, Hover. That's a post roll. Thanks for sponsoring this superb show. Yes. Thanks, Hover. 
Thanks, Chris. And thanks to the readers for getting us to 200 episodes of this bonkers madness. Yeah, it's really, dollar. really ridiculous. Yeah, I've only been here so for 75% of them, and it is one of That's the- crazy that you've been here for 75% of them. Is and it? it's one of the best things in my life. I'm really happy that I get to do it every week. So, How many years ago? This started in Aww. 2008. Yeah. Yeah, man. <sighs> the website itself started in 2005. Four. 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 So we're in our 11th year of the website. We're in our disgusting other number year of the podcast. But secretly, it's only been a few years because we kept taking years off. <laughs> but no, thanks from like just paying attention at the beginning when uh, Chris and Nick... And Jake, we're doing it to back in the Kickstarter to continuing to listen now. It means a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. You want to fart on that, Jake? No. No. <laughs> no. I mean, okay, so just Man, to clarify, just to clarify you gave me the one Jake eyebrow. I was Jake, like, I wanted Jake. to fart Bye. on that. Bye. Bye, Chris. Bye, Chris. <laughs> Thanks for letting me be on the podcast. Safe travels. Thank Tell you for Sarah being a friend. All right, see you guys. Okay, see you Bye. soon. Didn't talk about Mr. Belding. God, I didn't talk about Mr. Belding. I almost dropped it in the middle of this. Well, why didn't you, Nick? Nick. Oh, Nick, let's hear about Mr. Sorry, Belding. that is what the biggest revelation I have had in months, <laughs> or that I have been a part of or heard huge. party to. It's yeah. huge. It's very special. How if you're the creator of Saved by the Bell, how do you just hold the Mr. Belding pun? Back. I think you think that Mr. Belding is self-evident and then are really disappointed in humanity when no one notices that your show is called Saved by the Bell. Ding. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's solid work. <sighs> solid yeah. pun it's work? It's the longest con of all time, maybe. <laughs> well, like, to what? <laughs> sorry, sorry. You... <laughs> to what end, Nick? I, I don't know. <laughs> that has yet to be revealed. I think so. Right. Yeah. He didn't say the con's over. No. That's true. The best episode of Idle Thumbs that has ever been recorded. Yes. The most yes. easy yes. to follow. Mm. I think it's going to be great. <laughs> I think it's going to be Are really good. Are you making good. Yoshi noises? No. No. He was never breaking noises. He was breaking it out. That's okay. what Nick, that's Nick You guys are like, okay. do the thing okay. before the. Okay. But yeah, everyone like. That's more like. <laughs> that's what we do. You ready, Nick, for our routine? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because of the way Skype like constantly tries to dynamically adjust the volume oh, to like match the levels, it sounds like you guys are just like constantly stomping on each other. Like when you're all talking at the same time, Skype somehow like picks the person to amplify oh, it's above be- all else. It's it because this is what an like actual podcast shuffling. sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah you're, you're now getting the listener's experience of Idle Thumbs, it turns out. Unfortunately. Yeah. <sighs> God, I, Skype was so hard. That was terrible. I mean, that was the worst Skype setup that's ever existed. Yeah. Cleveland yeah. Streamer right. and the source number two the is definitely, <laughs> definitely a band. <laughs>